When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Marie, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. It's not Buckeye football futures, but it is recruiting talk because there's a dude coming. And this guy deserves his own podcast. And I will admit that I perhaps have been underestimating the significance of what is happening with JT Tumalau. Because Ohio State's 2021 recruiting class is already so good. And we've already slotted a lot of those guys into how we think they might help the Buckeyes this season as freshmen and certainly down the line. We've already seen almost all the other important guys, not Donovan Jackson, but we saw Emek Egbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Travion Henderson and Jack Sawyer and others in spring football. And so there's this guy, Stephen, floating out there that I don't know, like, is he still potentially like a game changer for the program? Not necessarily because of who he is alone, but because when you would add him to what is already here, there's uh, like an exponential effect potentially of what would be happening here. And the thing I've been wondering about is what we sort of were denied in 2018 with the abbreviated year three of Nick Bosa and year two of Chase Young. And if instead you would kind of get like three years of JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer together and what that would mean. And maybe everybody listening to this is like, no, Doug, we are not underestimating that. This is like a huge five-star. This is a gigantic deal. But I am already thinking about, I mean, we just talked about on the Monday podcast. I basically said, well, you know, in 2023, when Ohio State has the greatest team in college football history, blah, 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 blah. And I don't include JT Tumalau when I think about that. But if you do include that, it's like, oh, my goodness, because it's not really a cherry on top of the Sunday. It's like they do some of these things now. My children like the fancy milkshakes. The fancy milkshakes are not really for consumption. They're mostly for Instagram posts. I get it. I like to people enjoy what they enjoy. I'm not going to decide what is important for other people's lives. So if you want to take a picture of a fancy milkshake and put it on your Instagram post, that's fine. But the fancy milkshakes now, when they do the fancy milkshake, there was a milkshake you could get. There's a piece of pie on top of the milkshake. It is non-functional. 
Nathan is beside himself laughing at the idea of me saying, I'm not going to tell people how to enjoy their lives. It's like, Doug, you do that every minute of every day on this podcast. What are you talking about? I actually wasn't even laughing about that. I was just laughing at like, I think 10 minutes ago, you started to ask Steven a question and here you are still talking. That was more what I was laughing about okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, so they get so you get a piece of pie on the milkshake. You get a piece you of were, cake. On you were the not going to ask him a question about milkshakes. It had something to do with football, I believe. Because at Starbucks, you get like the cake pop. Maybe they stick a cake pop in the milkshake. But some of the milkshakes, there is such. So it's not a cherry on top. To me, JT Tumalau is the piece of pie on the milkshake. That's like, man, this is a delicious milkshake. I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do with the piece of pie, but it's better. I guess I want the piece of pie, Stephen. So I, I, I don't know if I'm alone here. I just have not spent a lot of time thinking about JT Tumalau because it feels like they're so set with that class anyway, right? Oh, and then Quinn Ewers is coming on top of it and like they're good to go. So like, I don't think they need JT Tumalau to win the national championship in 2023. But man, if they get them, they might win it in 22 and 23. So I, so Stephen, we're, we're laying out what might be happening with him. His visit is coming, but you laid out a nice uh, outline for us, how we're going to go through this podcast. I, of course, am ignoring it so far. Yeah. The how weren't on there. Um, it, 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 it's on the cutting room floor. I, I had thought maybe I just, some other the email didn't come through to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many milkshake places now. So anyway, you could do a whole vacation of visiting milkshake places and just taking photos of, oh, there's uh, you know, they put a salad on my milkshake and it's good for the photo. It doesn't taste good, though. Steven, how big of a deal is it for Ohio State to land JT Tumalau, this five star defensive lineman who remains out there in the class of 2021? And then we'll get into all the specifics. Yeah, it's a big deal because obviously he's a five star. He's the number three player in the country, the number two defensive lineman in the country. All that, you know, the regular reason for why it's a big deal, why you want to learn to land a five star. But when you're talking about this 2021 class, it's going to finish second, regardless of where he goes. Alabama just did so much in the early signing period, basically raiding LSU's recruiting class because LSU's program fell apart. So they're going to hold on to that. But you're talking about a situation here where Ohio State's trying to land two of the top four players in the country. Because Corey Foreman's at USC and J.C. Latham's at Alabama, while Jack Sawyer is at um, Ohio State. Obviously, all those guys are already early enrolled. And then Tommy Brockemeyer is also at Alabama. So it's a situation of is Ohio State going to get two of the top four players in the country with J.T. Tumalau and Jack Sawyer? Or is Alabama going to take three of the top five players with Latham, Tommy Brockemeyer and J.T. Tumalau as well? And so when we're, when we're talking about this 2023 season and how hyperbolic we're talking about it, we all think that's the year the super team might happen. I think if you get JT Tumalau and you add that and you brought up Chase and Nick Bosa, well, two, two of the top four players in the country in their third year before they go off to the NFL on both ends of the defensive line. And then maybe Mike Hall is on the interior as one of the defensive tackles and then somebody else as well as maybe a nose t- tackle. I think adding that piece to that puzzle in 2023 creates a situation where if they don't win a national title, it's a failure of a season. Okay. okay. From a, from a, from, from, I mean, it's a recruiting podcast about a guy. We're talking about his visit and you are already saying right. it's a failure. If they I'm, don't win the national just, title, that, they that, get him. That's a, from a, from an on paper standpoint, because now you're adding another five star to that equation of a guy where 
listen, we're already talking about, I mean, Quinn Ewers, Travion Henderson, the wide receiver room and all that, what it is. And so if you project out in a hyperbolic way, you have to think about it in that manner. Now, if we're going to talk about right now, it's five visits that he's taken. He's already obviously taken the Washington visit. And now he's about to get into the sprint of visits and basically a 12 day period where everybody thinks it's, it's either Ohio state or Alabama, but then obviously the Oregon and USC visits as well. It's, if he goes to USC or Oregon, USC is interesting just because now you're pairing him with Corey Foreman. While okay, with hold Oregon. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're, we're, we're transitioning into a second yeah. thing here. So let's stop for a second. Here's the thing why I think it matters with what you're saying. It's that it's the same position where they already have a guy, right? And that if it this feels like, Stephen, is it correct that I think it is fair to view? I mean, listen, Cam Hayward was a great player. Right. Uh, Mike Rabel was a great player. John Simon was a great player. Ohio State has had great defensive ends. But to me, you know, Adolphus Washington was a great player here. He was a five star guy. And if you're just going by recruiting like Adolphus Washington was as highly rated as Joey Bosa, maybe even higher. But he didn't turn out to be Joey Bosa. So it's not only about recruiting ratings, whatever. But to me, this new legacy of Ohio State defensive end starts with Joey Bosa, All-American third pick in the draft, Nick Bosa second pick in the draft, Chase Young, second pick in the draft. We will see if Zach Harrison is in that line or not. I think we'll get a sense for that this year. I think it is a fair assumption to say that Jack Sawyer, we are assuming Jack Sawyer is the next heir to that line of, you know, whatever. They're the kings and they they have babies and then, then the next person is king when the other guy graduates. But it feels like this is like, it's like the queen had twins. If they get JT Tumalau, I don't even know. Do you guys know in the royal, is it just the twin that comes out first? I guess so, right? Like, because the, the, old, the, oldest, the oldest one gets to be king. Can you imagine being the twin who was like, I was, I'm, I'm aced out of being king by like three minutes? I don't even know. Does anybody know about history? Have there been twins in a fight for the line of secession at all? Nathan, do you know that? I know about history, but I don't know about history about uh, unimportant things like this. No. <laughs> so this to me would I'm feel not a like a royal family uh, fan. Oh, I hate the royal family. <laughs> I hate them. Yeah, I, I really. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's JC Tumalau and Jack Sawyer. <laughs> but it would be like the queen had twins. So mm. that's what would be new to me, because it feels like JT Tumalau is a rightful heir to that throne as much as Jack Sawyer is. And to have them simultaneously Again, I made the Nick Bosa, Chase Young reference, but even obviously they weren't in the same class. They were a year apart and we only saw it really for three games. But Nathan, that is the part of this. Like, does that blow your mind a little bit? Just thinking about that idea, because I just don't know. Listen, with the Browns, everybody talks about it. I actually would like to do some research about it. I wonder sometimes when we talk about, oh, then you can't double team the other side. And what does it do? I think we can over talk about that sometimes. But just the idea that, JT Tumalau and Jack Sawyer, at least let's say 22 and 23, if Tumalau comes, they just would be like the starting ends, like, and would be doing that with each other all the time. And I just don't, the potential there is Ohio State is the greatest defensive end factory in the country, coached by the greatest defensive end teacher ever. And you're going to have two of them. It, to some degree, Nathan, the idea of it blows my mind, which is why I said at the top, I think I'm underestimating it because imagine if Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa were twins 
and we're here together the whole time, like those Brockenmeyer guys, right? That if they just were here at the same time, we didn't see that. That's what this might, is that, is that too much, Nathan, in your mind to maybe think about it that way? Well, it doesn't blow my mind only because of what Ohio State's been doing in recent history. I mean, they'll bring in two five-star quarterbacks at the same time, essentially. They'll bring in... Uh, but you, you can't know, play two five-star quarterbacks at the same time. This is my point, though. That's why it doesn't necessarily blow my mind. At defensive end, it's almost like it's almost a little bit of a surprise that they haven't been able to necessarily do this before. So it is it, it definitely a step forward for a program that already is at a high level at that position. I think the, the, the way that it, the impact could be the greatest is the other thing that we talked about on the Friday podcast about the playoff expansion and what I wrote about, oh, I guess, I'm sorry, it was for Monday, for Mon- from Market Down Monday. Um, and what I wrote about was that the one wrinkle that maybe goes against Ohio State there, the one that you brought up, Doug, is the idea that it's starting presumably in 2023, you're going to have to start winning three games to win a national championship instead of two. And how beneficial it could be if Ohio State finds a way to be ahead of schedule, as it was in 2014 by Urban Meyer's own proclamation right that he said yes. that 2014 team was ahead of schedule if they can find a way to do that in 2021 or 2022 and you only have to win two games to win a championship instead of three that's obviously beneficial and adding someone like Tumalau could be the difference between being ahead of schedule or not all right so we want to remind you of something and, and a lot of you listening have helped us with this in the past and i think it got a little screwy last time and it's not screwy this time but we're doing it again If you care about Buckeye Talk, this helps us. So it's a favor, but it's a survey, and it's a favor. And we ask favors of you guys all the time. Being a Buckeye Talk listener is not a passive endeavor. We lean on you. Whether you're a tech subscriber or not, like we lean on you. We like need you. Um, And that's okay. Like I don't mind leaning on you because, Mike, I think you can handle it. So we're asking for help. It helps us and it helps us like try to make money if we get an idea of like kind of who's listening to this thing. So if you could do this, maybe when you get done listening to this, if you go on your phone or go on your computer and do this, you go to cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk Survey. All one thing. Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk Survey and answer the questions. I'm assuming it'll take a couple minutes. Not very long, not very heavy lifting, and that it just it just helps us. I don't, you know, I mean, they don't tell me. I don't know exactly how it helps us, but I'm telling you, it helps us. So, um, thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Thanks to those of you who are tech subscribers, and thanks to anyone who takes a couple minutes out of their day to go to Cleveland.com/slash Buckeye Talk Survey. Stephen. Let's get back to what you were talking about. We've sort of laid the groundwork here for, I mean, the idea of adding the two greatest defensive end recruits in history to the greatest defensive end teacher in history. I mean, it's like we're building an atom bomb of of defensive line work here. So we've laid that groundwork there. It's like having, it's like the queen having babies that are twins. It's like building an atom bomb. What's going, (laughs) what? Is he visiting? What's the deal now? What's the facts? Now, what happens if the queen has twins? (laughs) What happens? Okay. So, like, what is he coming to Ohio State? I don't even know what's happening. So, like, is he coming? What's happening? Okay. So now, facts. Again, I'm coming off vacation. I'm a little rusty, but I'm always rusty when it comes to facts. Nathan, whenever you find out the information about what happens when oh, Stephen, we got to wait on the actual facts again. What took 0.72 seconds for the Googles to tell me. (laughs) 
uh, if a member of the British royal family were to give birth to twins, whichever twin is born first would be next to the line of the throne. However, this rule of succession only counts for natural births. So if it's a... All right. Um, like a... Like, trying to find out what the next C-section thing is. If assistance not- during... If assistance during birth were required, such as a cesarean, the decision of which baby is born first and therefore ahead of the other in the line of succession would fall <laughs> would fall to the royal gynecologist. No, that's <laughs> not a title. <laughs> I feel like the royal gynecologist is going to become a regular Buckeye Talk impression, kind of like Stetler Barnett. <laughs> what is it? Let's hear your best British... <laughs> Yes, this is the royal gynecologist speaking. That's not it. That's not even anyway, it. What, what country That's, was that? I was more like a, like a, hey, I'm the royal gynecologist. That's, <laughs> That's not it either. That was like every accent at once. Hey, it's, it's, it's like from the streets of London, I became a gynecologist and I picked which baby came out of the queen first. And I picked this one over here. He was a little bit uglier. I could relate to him better. It's like Peaky Blinders. And let's go. And now let's ask the royal gynecologist. Does every guy can I be that? Can I be the royal gynecologist where I get to choose which one of these defensive ends is better at the end of the day? Like the NFL teams have to come to me and say, okay, we have the second pick. Do we take JT or do we take Jack? And then I get to decide. I this all I want to do now is have the phrase royal gynecologist in a headline on cleveland.com <laughs> one way or another. However, Doug, if if you don't have the royal gynecologist on Buckeye Talk by opening day, you need to just retire. Does yeah. every gynecologist in the United Kingdom aspire to be the royal gynecologist? Uh, I guess. How do you I even get that job? So. And does it stay within the family like royalty does? That's it's true. like now, now your child has to be a gynecologist because he has to be, he or she has to be the next royal gynecologist. But only the firstborn child in each family can <laughs> fall in succession to be the royal gynecologist. And if it's a cesarean birth, then the royal gynecologist gynecologist has to make yep. the call. Yeah, the assistant to the royal gynecologist. <laughs> okay. That is the record for the most times we said gynecologist on a single. But if you say royal in front of anything, it makes it okay. It's like, you know. Yeah. I I think uh, if JT Tumalau does not come to Ohio State, it may directly be because he listened to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what that is. I would be. That day is coming. The day when when Ohio State's in the running for a player. And the player picks another school. They're like, oh, what happened? He's like, I listened to this podcast, man. It was <laughs> ridiculous. I didn't want those guys talking about me. So I went to Clemson. That is coming. Not proudly. I, not proudly. Yeah. That's not what we're here to do. But, you know, I mean, accidents happen, as the royal gynecologist would tell you. I have, I have a great Buckeye talk in the wild story today. Remind me at the end of the podcast. But let's get back to, to JT Tumalau. That what we're talk- oh, yeah. I can't um, even remember. Okay. So okay. Where, is he, <laughs> he may visiting? have committed by now. Is he a recruit? I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, anymore. so here, here's the one point I wanted to make before we moved into that. 
the closest Ohio State has come in come to this something of this magnitude is 2016 when they got Nick Bosa as the national guy, the number eight player in the country, and then Jonathan Cooper was a top 30 recruit as both defensive ends who were top 50 guys, and Ohio State pulled both of those guys off. And what's similar in that situation? this situation even though both guys are, are Nick Bosa level talent is one guy's an Ohio kid and the other guy's a national kid so I think having that in your backyard helps because the, the Jack Sawyer committed so early because Ohio State's down the street that you didn't have to worry about him so you got to put whatever time and influence and resources you needed to put in over the last two years in the JT Tumalau and have Jack Sawyer help you along that that journey. Is there I even did. more of a like Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers parallel? Exactly. History? Bingo. Same thing. It's when you've got that Ohio kid who's like, I'm in, leave me alone. Go chase the national kids. That always helps, right? When you've got these highly rated kids who are low maintenance. That's the best type of recruit that you want is the, the high talent, low maintenance kid. And Josh Myers and Jack Sawyer are both under those that umbrella, especially when you're talking about Wyatt Davis and JT Tumalau, when both of those situations seem to come down to the wire of which school they were going to choose. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about JT's Tumalau's plan to visit, where else he's visiting, and how this recruitment is actually unfolding, because that's why we're talking about it, because there's stuff happening. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Buckeye. Now, not it. (laughs) Not it. I was sitting here for the whole commercial, because you got to get the impression, hello. I'm trying to do like the like the the. I just was in Disney. I watched all the BR guest stuff. Hello, I'm the royal. Not not it. I'll keep working on it. Stephen, who are the five visits? And he's coming to Columbus soon. Is that correct? That that is true. Now he's already been on the Washington visit. That was his first one. The opening weekend of June, that June fourth, because I mean he's what like an hour and a half away from their campus. So why not just knock what that one out the way? And now we're getting ready to get into this sprint of things on June fourteenth which will be basically as of when you guys are hearing this on Tuesday, he'll have already been on USC's campus that June 14th weekend. And then he'll come to Ohio state this weekend, June 18th through the weekend, he'll be on Ohio state's campus. But the key thing is when there are official visits, you have to have a a flight in and a flight out. You have to go home. You can't, he can't go from USC to Ohio state to Alabama and do it that way. No. So he's going to go to USC, then go back home to Washington then come to Ohio State and then go back home to Washington and then he'll close then he'll go to Oregon for the June 20th which is I mean right there in his backyard as well and then go back home to Washington and then go right back out to Alabama on the June 25th and then come back home to Washington and probably spend the next couple of days mulling over where he wants to go to school that's a lot of travel that is an NCAA rule you've got to go round trip on your flights on your official visits is it an NCAA rule or yeah, is it an NCAA rule or does do you not just want to put the school in the position of having to pay for you to go to another school? Right. It's it, it's like it's, do you want does Ohio State want to pay for you to fly to Alabama under any circumstances? I doubt it. I think that I think that's just a rule because of the school is paying for it. Oh, that's true. And then how would you split up the expense for that? Like does right. who gets the expense of which part of the yeah. Right. So, so it's just that easier to sense. have you're right. It's just easier to have an out flight and a return flight go to the same place. So we're just Usually. we're just wasting jet fuel because the NCAA doesn't know how to do accounting. You split the yeah. ticket. Who are you, Al Gore? I mean, they don't also it's usually <laughs> yes. guys aren't trying to split aren't trying to cram five visits into three weeks. But it's like That's fair. people do this all the time though. I mean, like 
It is, but it is a realistic logistical thing. I mean, I know, and it's difference between unofficial and official, and I get it, but it's also like, can we live in the world? Again, the NCAA doesn't live in the world. Oh, we don't know how to work out the ticket prices, so you've got to fly back to Seattle. The Boses flew up from Florida, flew to Chicago, rented a car, drove to Michigan, drove to Ohio State, mm-hmm. drove to every school they wanted to see and went home. They didn't drive to Ohio State, fly back to Florida. Drive, I mean, because... They were able to operate under normal human reasoning yeah. while the NCAA operates under we can't figure out how to split the ticket prices. That's so stupid. To be fair, I'll, I'll applaud the Tumalau family for doing this in the most efficient way that they could. It's come east, then do a West Coast visit and then go back east and then do another West Coast visit and then finish out east instead of trying to do, you know, East back-to-back times because you're probably going to tire your kid out. And then he's going to be like, I don't know. I'm just going to stay here. Wherever I'm at right now on June 19th is just where I'm going to school because I don't feel like getting on another flight. So applaud the Tumalau family. Shame on you to the NCAA. What's that Harry Potter movie with the guy with all the animals? It's not the Harry Potter guy, but it's like the Magical Beasts movie. JT Tumalau is going to watch that Magical Beasts movie on the plane nine times. Steven, I want you to find – I know JT Tumalau doesn't talk to anybody. I would like you to find out. (laughs) what movies he watched on the 38 different flights he had to take because of NCAA rules. All right. So it's Washington, USC, Oregon, which frankly, Washington, USC, Ohio state, Oregon, Alabama. Okay. But it's, but in terms of, so it's three, three PAC 12 schools, which frankly, Mm -hmm. I mean, at least credit to the PAC 12 for getting three of the five visits. And those are the three PAC 12 schools. If there's a good kid in the state of Washington, if the Pac-12 is functioning as a real conference, those are the three schools that should get the visits from that kid. So congratulations yeah. to them for at least getting those visits. And even with that, congratulations really to Oregon first, because obviously he's from Washington. You would expect Washington to be able to do some type of work there. And then his family actually lives in Southern California. So there's the connection to USC. So Oregon being the true outlier here, who's not really a national power, but is in the Pac-12 you know, uh, foot, footprint. Congrats. Shout out to them for staying in the race this long. And then Bama and Ohio State, and that's how it works. We've had this a million. I mean, we've all talked about this. Everybody knows it. All these West Coast kids who have felt like in recent years that the West Coast does not offer them a real chance at winning a national title. And we've seen a gazillion kids come East for that, whether it's DJ Uyunglele and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Kendall Milton and G Scott and Mm -hmm. Wyatt Davis. I mean, it is, it is the list goes on and on and on. Now USC is trying to get that back under control a little bit and they're doing a little bit better job, but also they've got to, prove it again i think in the playoff before it really clicks in it's hard because i think it's going to take i think it's going to take a pac-12 team probably making the national title game again because not just getting to the playoff and getting blown out but they're not even doing that at the moment but like doing what oregon did in the very first playoff Mm -hmm. when oregon got to i think it's going to take them doing that before the pac-12 before the west coast kids really pay attention because at the moment there's that nobody's getting their attention and these kids are willing to go the best kids are willing to go wherever they have to go to win a national title so it's ohio state and alabama clemson not in here so clemson got a little mm, little edged out little whoop little whoop sorry sorry dabo but does it matter i mean i think steven a lot of people with visits often look at the order of visits and that kind of thing bama gets the last word is there any chance that he 
commits to Ohio State and bails on the final visits. And if there's not a chance of that, is it an edge for Alabama to get the last word and be the fifth of the five trips? I think where that comes into play is when does he want to go to school, which is not football talk, but it's, you know, more university. When do they start sessions for summer and stuff like that? And so I looked that up. Ohio State's session three for the summer starts July 6th. So in theory, he could come here on the 18th and fall in love and feel like I'm committing and I'm just not going to go home and I'm just going to bail on the Bama visit and just enroll and start my journey. But he could also do that for Alabama because their summer session two starts on June 29th and that visit is June 25th and he could do the same thing. All right. I've been through all my visits. I really love Alabama. I'm not going home. Let's just move in and y'all can just fly the rest of my stuff out here if needed to be. I don't, I it's because he doesn't talk to anybody. You can't say, oh, he's going to do this or he's going to do that. I think both of those options might be on the table for him. But I also think because of how those timelines play out, we could see him announce his commitment on two days after the Bama, the Bama visit, which is where it gets interesting because, yeah, you're giving a team the last say. And if the Ohio State visit doesn't blow you away, then you're hoping the Alabama visit doesn't do enough to send him over the top. And so – what you're hoping for is the same thing you saw with the Mecca Ibuka, where he took a trip to Oklahoma a week before he announced his commitment date. And at that point, it was, I've seen Ohio State and I've fallen in love with it so much. Someone's going to have to convince me that this isn't where I should should be. Let's see if Oklahoma can do that. Oklahoma couldn't do that. He's been to Alabama before, so it's really more on Ohio State to just blow him away as much as they can, because this will be his second time on Alabama's campus. Has he been unofficially anywhere else? He has not been to Columbus. Is that correct? He has not been to Columbus. He hasn't been anywhere unofficially on the East Coast. He's obviously okay. been on Oregon and, and Washington's campus because because they're right there. Okay. So those are the options. Is it? Do we say that Ohio State is the leader? I know that, and I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss the person. The Tumalaf family talks to one reporter, right? Brandon Huffman. Brandon Huffman. Is it from Two Four Seven Sports? Yep. We just want to make sure we give that reporter credit for basically locking down the biggest recruitment left in college football and being sort of like the single source on that. It's based on Brandon Huffman's reporting because that's who they talk to. Is Ohio State the leader, Stephen? Yes. By whatever, whether it's point one of a margin or it's a, a, a whole point of a margin, Every crystal ball for JT Tumala has stayed for Ohio State, including Brandon Huffman's, because that's the most important one. But as I've mentioned on BFF pods in the past, one of the things that the 247 Sports has done now is so this way you can't just copy someone else's crystal ball. You have to put a level of confidence by it. So you actually got to put some work into it a little bit. Most people have it at five or a three. Brandon Huffman's at a one, which is what, once again, which makes this visit so important because that can easily change to an eight or nine based off of that visit, or that's a wide window for Alabama to creep into and, and, and secure this recruitment and flip all that momentum in their, in their, in their, in their favor. So yes, right now, Ohio state is the presumed leader, but the lead is by literally a piece of, a, a piece of string. It is interesting to me, having talked to a lot of guys about uh, their recruitment for the book that's coming out in September. So many guys, I mean, obviously I talked only to guys who went to Ohio State, but just a lot of guys do have stories about like, I came to campus and Steven, you know, this talking to guys now in the modern mm-hmm. day, I came to campus and I just knew it was it. It is, it is, I don't want to say that it's strange, but there is sort of like a visceral thing 
you know, and that it's like whether it's just walking through the Woody and being like, holy moly, I want to be part of this or whether it's just you happen to connect with one. A coach says something that really hits home with you or you just really get a, you just love the campus or you stand you know, at the 50 yard line, um, that's, you know, Cheryl Bosa, Joey's mom remembers getting the call that cause John and Joey Bosa came on the visit and, um, Cheryl wasn't here. I think on the first thing now I'm getting it reversed. Anyway, somebody was talking about like, they get a, like their, their son called them from like the 50 yard line at Ohio stadium. And they're like, I knew when he called, mm-hmm. I could hear it in his voice. Cam Hayward's mom said they were leaving Columbus and they stopped and and in the airport, Cam wanted to buy an Ohio state t-shirt. And she was like, he's never wanted to buy a t-shirt before at any school we went to. And it's just like, it's for all the stuff that matters. I want to go to the NFL. You know, I want to be taught great technique. I want to major in a certain thing. There are a lot of stories that are just, that gut feeling and people talk about a lot of people I talk to just say it's like buying a house you walk in you're like yep this is where I want to live so um then on the other hand you know Trayvon Henderson and J.K. Dobbins never set foot in this place before they committed so the other you know everybody's story can be a little bit different yeah but there is something about a, a decent number of super highly rated players who could go anywhere their gut tells them and they end up, whether it's your gut or your heart, however you want to say it, this stuff matters, Stephen. Like we don't, I think it makes sense. So you're saying Huffman is a one. That's the lowest, the lowest, lowest rank you can be. Yeah. Because, and and I do think if, if JT has been to Bama, but, but Bama is not viewed as the leader, he maybe didn't have that gut reaction, that heart reaction to Bama. And there's the opportunity to have that heart and gut reaction in Columbus because he hasn't been here yet. And he apparently hasn't had it at Washington and he hasn't had it in Oregon. So I do think there can be a way that the fact that Ohio state is perceived as being ahead and he hasn't been here yet, the gut might seal it, Stephen, when he gets here and it will confirm the stuff that might be percolating right now. Whatever, regardless of what stage of your process you're in, the visit is punctuation, whether it's punctuation where you commit it without visiting and then you get on campus and it's like validating everything you thought, like it was with J.K. Dobbins and Travion Henderson, even though Travion's is more of a self-guided situation. It's like he got here and it was like, yeah. I made the right decision six months ago to commit here. Or you're talking about a guy like Keon Gray's in the 2021 class where he's thinking it's probably where he wants to go. And then he comes on a self guys got to visit. And that's the thing that throws him over the top to commit. And then he gets back here on June 4th for that official visit. It's like, yeah, this is it right here. And so regardless of whether it's the thing that makes you commit or make you shut down your recruitment, it's, it's punctuation. And I think you're right. And to bring up the Emeka Buka situation again, his momentum was always to Ohio state. And the challenge was, could Oklahoma change that in this situation? It's JT Tumalau's momentum is to Ohio state can Ohio State see, close the door on anybody else who might want to come in here and change that? Okay. Let's talk about a specific thing that you outlined here because his recruitment is different than a lot of people. And it actually is heading, I think, in a direction that a lot of advocates have said recruits have, should, have, should be doing uh, in how they approach this. And it is a position where it gives the recruit 
some more power in the process. And I think we keep waiting for more recruitments to go this way. And still there's not many that do, but Steven, what are we talking about here between a letter of intent that sort of binds you to a school? Now, uh, frankly, this actually now is going to be less important than it used to be because it used to be the letter of intent meant once you signed it, if you want to transfer, you got to sit out of here. Well, now anybody mm-hmm. can transfer anyway. So it's not as binding because they're not binding you. I do want to do an, not an investigation. I, I don't know what word. I guess reporting. Uh, they barely report anymore. Is it reporting? What's the thing you do when you talk to experts rather than just have your own opinion based on nothing? I can't remember what that's called. How important competitive balance is in the equation of sports anymore compared to ultimate players' rights, I think is an interesting, like nobody is sort of, it used to be that like nobody stood up for players' rights, sort of like pro or college, like back in the day, it's like Kurt Flood had to fight for free agency and all this stuff right now, 50 years later, college sports is is catching up with that. But I almost feel like who is like sort of standing up for competitive balance now, whether it's college players going at wherever they want, whether it's if, you know, in the NBA guys want to sign one year deals with an option so they can leave every year. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, sports are a little bit different than life because you're trying to keep things kind of equal. You know, I mean, baseball is a mess when it comes to competitive balance, but like, that's the, that's the sort of the heart of sports is competitive balance that everybody has a chance to win. And that's what makes it fun and interesting. And if you lean too far towards like the ultimate players can do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it. I think you can destroy competitive balance in the name of player control. And I think it's an interesting conversation, which we'll, we'll not have right now, but he is controlling this, pro- right? Steven, the bottom line yeah. is JT Tumalau is in control of this process. So explain to us the difference of what he's planning to do here not signing a national letter of intent and instead signing an official aid agreement and how he's going to go about this. So a national letter of intent, first and foremost, there's no such thing as a four-year athletic scholarship. It's a year-by-year basis, and you have to keep resigning it every single summer, which is what the national letter of intent is, is you're signing that letter for the first time, and you typically sign it either in the early signing period or you sign it during the actual signing day that happens in January that time is coming past. So he couldn't actually sign it if he wanted to at this point, but now he is instead signing with a national letter of intent. You are signing to the school basically. And the school kind of controls all the power in that situation with a financial aid agreement is what the thing he has signed with all five of these schools already. He's already signed them with these school five schools. He's taking official visits to. He owns all the power, meaning to the point of, he could get somewhere and feel like, yes, yeah, is when I want to be in and roll right now. He could go do that because he owns all the power because with the financial aid agreement, the school is saying we are financially responsible for you for the next year. Basically, it's, it's the school signing the national letter of intent instead of the player signing the national letter of intent. And we have some players have done it in the past, but it's not a normal thing that happens because you see the signing day things happen so often. And so I'm wondering the significance of this and do more players look at what JT Tumalau was doing and sit and so and go, Hmm, he controls all the power in this age of player empowerment, whether you're talking about college sports or professional sports, do we see more players in the future take this route? Or is this just a situation where 
a lot of series of events had to happen for him to be in this position. So he's taking advantage of it the best he can, because I don't, I don't know if anybody can confidently say if we hadn't have gone through a pandemic over the past, you know, year or so that he wouldn't have just signed with a school in December and been enrolled somewhere already. It's not unprecedented. It is a little bit more common with these ones that drag on into the summer or different times of year, maybe with basketball players I've seen, but it, it, it's not impressive, but it's usually a thing that happens with these recruitments that drag on. And you can't pressure him into a decision because you've already agreed to it. And so now he can take the time he needs. So it's the idea of like, there's no like, Hey, if you don't commit, there might not be a spot for you kind of thing, which is so, but, but Nathan, I guess, is that the only thing left? Because the transfer thing was the thing before, right? That like, and when did it have been before? Maybe I'm wrong here. Previously, like if you signed a national letter of intent and like your coach left, like you were still stuck with the school and then you under the transfer rules. But if you signed a financial aid agreement and your coach left, you could be like, I'm out of here. And and that you would still have more freedom. I'm trying to like, Nathan, what is the I, ad- I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Now, as a matter of practice, when there were situations where a coach left often, I, you saw those players get let out of their NILs yeah. if they asked because no reason to keep a kid there that doesn't want to be there. But, um, but yeah, I think that's correct. That there, that, that was more binding. The NIL was more binding than what the grant in aid is as far as tying the player to the school, by the way, NLI, because it's very confusing because we're dealing yes. with name, yes, right. image, yes, and likeness, yes. which is NIL. NLI, Again, the NCAA. Yes. Seriously, you only have three initials that you can come up with for everything. It's got to start like, with oh. an N. It has to start with an N because it's the NCAA every time. Right. Then it's national. Otherwise, you would think like, oh, it just applies to this uh, little county. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's national. We get it. OK, so it is an interesting sort of side effect here. He's in power. But but it, from a practical standpoint, like nobody would be like, hey, JT, like if Bama was like, hey, JT, you better commit to us tomorrow mm-hmm. or your spot's gone. And he was like, fine, I'm not committing. They'd be like, oh, oh we didn't mean it. Ohio right. State, same thing. Friday day was like, that's it. I'm done with this. And JT be like, fine, I'm going to Alabama. Right. One day, like, I'm sorry. I, you called my bluff. So he holds the power anyway, because he's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. which is one of those things, like the best way to hold power in anything is be awesome and like be irreplaceable. And then people will find a way to squeeze you in no matter what. But that is sort of a, you know, it's, it's a little more than just logistics. It's, it's just, it's an interesting little sidelight to this. So, Let's talk about, I already said it'll be the greatest defensive line in history coached by the greatest defensive line coach ever. Eh. What, what, what so you, you have this down, Steven, of like what, what it would mean like now, right? Because I do think, okay, great, 22 and 23. But also the 2021 season is coming right now. I think we all have a tendency to overrate the impact of freshmen, especially five-star recruits, we get excited. It's what people do. However, there also are times when like first-year guys get on campus and whether it's Trevor Trevor Lawrence or Derek Stingley or whatever, they're just awesome right away. Orlando Pace, I don't know. Like they're just awesome. Could he help on a team that has Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer and Tyler Friday. We already said we think Jack Sawyer might be the third best defensive end for this team. Mm-hmm. 
as a true freshman. So if JT Tumalau's right there, could he be the fourth best defensive end? And all of a mm-hmm. sudden he's in the rotation and he's helping this team win in 2021. If he comes Steven, what will he be this year? And how much does it matter whether he gets here in, you know, June or July or August or whatever, like, cause I mean, the practice doesn't start till August. He already missed spring. So. Yeah. So I, I kind of wrote about this earlier this month, but I wanted to talk about it on the pod as well, which is why I included it on, on the breakdown. I think he is the Julian Fleming and the Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba, you know, situation where both of those guys are five stars. We think both of those guys have high amounts of potential, but one's just a little bit more ready. And so their true freshman year, Jackson just got to do a little bit more, even if it was a small amount, a little bit more. But even if it had been a normal year, I think Jackson would have had a lot more snaps than Julian Fleming would have had as a true freshman. And then maybe Julian catches up as a sophomore. I think we're going to see a similar thing here just because, Jack's been working with Larry Johnson since he was 14, man. And you can't – Larry Johnson said it himself when I asked him about it. You can't replace that when you can get on campus and you can get those teachings early, which creates a situation like what we saw in the spring game where it's like, oh, wow, this guy might be the third defensive end or he might lead this team in sacks as a true freshman. JT Tumalau hasn't necessarily been football-focused the same way, especially over the last year, he's their football season was moved to the spring, obviously, but then also he's playing basketball right now. They just wrapped up their basketball. Washington high school basketball just wrapped up a week ago. So he's been focused on that as well. But then also he's not really going to be in football shape. So if you're expecting this kid, if he commits to Ohio state to show up June 6th, which means he won't be a part of summer workouts along with spring. And you're thinking that, four or five weeks of fall camp and he's just going to be awesome. I don't think that's a realistic expectation to have for any human being, even a guy like that, where if you watch his film, he's, I mean, he's got it all. I mean, this kid could play tight end at, at the college level if you really wanted to. And he's got some college basketball offers as well from some power five schools. So the talent is there. I just don't think he'll be ready from day one. While also you don't need him to be ready. If you've got Jack Sawyer already, if you've got some veterans like Jack, Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, who you believe in, one of which might be a first rounder, might explode this year. And then regardless of what you think of what the upside of Tyler Friday and Javante Jean Baptiste is, that's veteran depth that can get you by in this season if you don't feel like your five-star true freshman is ready to go just like how Jamison Williams was a second-year guy with a little bit of experience that you could lean on that year even if it meant long-term he wasn't your solution. Nathan what, what would your expectations be for him if, if he does come here I think it would, like in, it would be like early July right like July 6th or so mm-hmm. as you were saying Stephen like what what do you think, Nathan? Would you have? I mean, I, I think I think we are on. I think we're kind of in agreement about Jack Sawyer coming off of spring of like, actually, we thought maybe we were talking about like, hey, could he be the fifth defensive end like Chase Young was as a freshman? And now I think we maybe think he'll be the third defensive end. I, I think we may all be there. No offense to Tyler Friday and JJB. But would you have expectations for JT Tumalau this season or not really? This season, maybe. I think I could see something more, though, being one of those guys where it's late in November, it's getting towards a playoff, a guy starts flashing a little bit more here and there. One of those guys that like has one play in one game and everybody on the beat writes about it because it's just like one of those things that you've been waiting to see all season like that. That seems like a very plausible thing. That's I'm not trying to limit what he would be doing the rest of the year. But I just think that like from from a practical standpoint, I think Stephen's right that asking 
regardless of how talented he is, asking anybody to step in under those circumstances and get up to speed immediately is tough. And because I think there's a reason why guys like um, Tyler Friday and Tyree or um, uh, Javante Jean Baptiste, like every year, those guys like that at Ohio State, and they do tend to keep the even the five star freshmen at arm's length, at least for most of the season. It's because uh, number one, they're like closer to like being grown men than these guys are a lot of times coming out of high school. There's, there's physical development that is at play here too. And it, there is a separation sometimes, but then also just like the savvy of the game, the understanding of reading things you've already played. I mean, how many times now will both of those guys, Tyler Friday and Javante, Javante Jean Baptiste have gone through uh, uh, preparing for a Michigan state game. Like there's going to be things that they know that they, they, they will be able to recognize them because they've seen them now three or four times, just things like that. I think will always kind of give those guys an edge as far as reps. That doesn't mean though, that you don't start to see the, the high impact of those younger guys start to kind of bleed through. And that almost is kind of a, it's almost the rule, not the exception anymore, right? Like, don't you kind of feel like if a guy it starts to really have it that you start to see some signs of it by the end of his freshman year? You want to see him go through Larry Johnson teaching, and because that's a very that's a very unique way of pass rushing that no one else in the country teaches. And being at these day camps the last couple of weeks, and then some of them in 2019, you get to see that up close and personal. Especially now if they're doing these one on one workouts with guys, this is a very unique way of teaching it. And he's never been here, which means he's never had that lesson. Which means that fall camp practice will be the first time he's ever gotten a chance to get on the field and put into play what Larry Johnson has taught him. While everybody else in that room has been doing it for years even jack sawyer who's his age i'll tell you it's one of those things it's it's like could jt tumalau by january be in position to be a guy that late in the third quarter when everybody's getting kind of tired that he's in for an important series and like gets the pressure on spencer rattler in the playoff semifinal that forces the interception that changes the game. It's like, well, yeah, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing happens. What you're talking about that, like, you know, Chris Olave catches the the touchdown pass against Michigan in November at the end of his freshman year. Could JT Tumalau by the end of the year as a fourth or fifth defensive end do that. That's a great guy to put in. And then the announcers be like, that's a top five recruit in this class coming in, you know, like that's that. And that might be the difference that, I mean, listen, man, when you're talking about like trying to win a national championship, um, he could matter. And then in 22 and 23, they will be the Adam bomb Royal twins of defensive line recruiting. Okay. You, you said, um, Steven, that do you think there's a comparison a little bit to it? Again, Zach Harrison lives in this world between, the top, top, top tier and that next group. I think he's he almost potentially is in a sort of a tier by himself right now because his pedigree is such that he, with the right kind of year, he could almost graduate to the Bosa Bosa young tier that we are sort of putting Sawyer and Tumalau in now. Is there a comparison to the JT Tumalau recruitment in 2021 and the Zach Harrison recruitment in 2019? Yeah, because nobody knows anything. right? We, I mean, you you 
heard little tea leaves every so often with Zach Harris. And obviously I came in later into that recruitment because I didn't get here until November. I mean, October, November situation. So I was very new to it, but from reading back on it, nobody knew anything. He didn't talk to anybody. If you just happened to catch him at a national camp and corner him, then he had to talk to you, but he didn't really want to do it. And some of that's the kid. And some of that's the parent doesn't really want their kid out there, which is understandable. I don't, it's, it's crazy to think that parents should be shamed for not wanting their 17-year-old to be talking to a bunch of grown men about what the future is. You know, every recruitment should be different and every family should handle it they want to, the way they want to handle it. For Zach Harrison, it's we're not going to talk to anybody. We're going to go so far that I showed up to Olin Tangy Orange for his signing day ceremony to find out where he was going. And they locked the school down. They literally shut school down that day and only had maybe like 15 people in there. And I walked into the school office and they were like, yeah, you can't be in here. So I shot out in my car and watched it on a stream for like everybody else before I had to be at the Woody for, you know, Urban for Ryan Day's first press conference, I guess, because he was the one who ran it. But a lot of similarities. The only difference is JT Tumalau has at least found one person that he wants to talk to and he wants to get information out from to, and that's Brandon Huffman. And we all just kind of, you know, read the tea leaves from there, but that's the similarity is how often do you see these for all intents and purposes of what Zach Harrison is now, he's the, he was the number 12 player, the number two strong side defensive end in that 2019 recruiting class. So how often do you see five-star recruits with who are these high profile players handle their recruitment in such a low profile way where nothing gets out the entire time. It's been no, we have crystal balls and all that stuff, but we really won't know until JT Tumalau decides to announce his decision. Zach Harrison's uncle was my waiter at Giordano's and like, I just, I blew it. You blew it. Breaking that, breaking that recruitment. He was such a good guy. And I saw him later. I was like, Hey, cause I went in there a couple of times. I mean, it's Giordano's it's Chicago style pizza. Mm -hmm. It's a mile from my house. I just, I just go there. And then it was like, it was his uncle. I can't, I blow it on a lot of stories. I, I'm too busy about podcasting. I really should report more. <laughs> the thing is a lot of times when kids, at least sometimes, I, I, and I don't think people perceive this. The fact that JT Tumalau has not decided yet is not a sign of confusion. It's a sign of, comprehensiveness and like you know again i think the harrison family had like stuff on the wall with pros and cons Mm -hmm. for every as it was told to me by my by my my friend at the pizza shop just comprehensive comprehensive that they the the harrison family was as smart about zach harrison's recruitment as any family has ever been about a recruitment which means like they don't decide stuff until they have all the information and that they did just have Zach didn't just go to Ohio state because he grew up in the Columbus suburbs. Like mm-hmm. Michigan was like a real contender there. Ask Al Washington, Ohio, Michigan was a real contender, right? I mean, like he was, he took everything into consideration and then made his choice. So I do think that is, you know, I, I don't think people are viewing it as confusion. I think they're viewing it that way, especially in a pandemic, now, other times, I think it can be a sign of conflict. Like the, the one that I covered that was an extended recruitment, obviously, was the Terrell Pryor recruitment. And that was, I think he was always going to go to Ohio State, but like his dad wanted him to go to Penn State. And so like when it came down to like decision-making time there, I think there was enough conflict within um, the people who were important, who were really making the decision. They weren't all unified, so they waited. 
right until they got unified. I think that was my view of that. And I think Terrell's talked about that after the fact. His late father was just really connected with the Penn State staff. And then, but Terrell made his own decision. So I do think sometimes it can be that. Sometimes it can be like, I don't know what to do. I'm being pulled in different directions. But I don't think, Stephen, right? That's not really what we think is happening here. This is just JT Tumalau and his family gathering all the info and considering the fact that the two leading contenders are on the opposite side of the country from where he lives. And there's been a global pandemic for a year and a half. He hasn't been able to get all the information yet. It's almost, I don't even know if this is a thing, calculated stubbornness. And that's the thing I love about it the most because there's been plenty of kids I've talked to ever since the country has talked to where they'll say, I want to put off my decision until I can take visits. We've heard that so many, I've written that and said that so many times about a kid and then six and then three or four months later, they commit somewhere because they gave up on the process and gave up on the idea that this recruiting dead period was ever going to end. I mean, I'm, uh, Keontae Goodwin has that's been the, the theme with him is he didn't think it was going to end and so go somewhere where he's comfortable Damani Jackson Amani Winfield all guys under the same boat where they just stayed close to home because they just got tired of it all JT Tumalau and his family never got tired of it they said they were going to wait until the dead period ended and they haven't changed that trajectory the entire time, even with the dead peer consistently getting pushed back. And there have been times where they've come out and said when it seemed like it was going to end in April, where it's like, that's the earliest you should expect a decision from JT Tumala. It was April after he can take these visits when that got pushed back. So did his decision date. And so that, and that's part of the power construct that he's been able to pull here. It's, it's also realizing that, Hey, you don't have to sign it on this day just because it says on a calendar signing day. No, this is a long process. And so I, I think that's a good word for it. calculated stubbornness where I'm not worried about what's going on around me. I'm not changing my plan. This is how I'm going to make my decision. And as a school, you can either respect that and stay along for the ride, or you can back out. And then I just won't consider you anymore. These are the five schools who have stayed along the longest. All right, we'll take another break. We'll come back and, I don't know, make predictions, I guess. That's what we do here. We'll draft. We'll draft where we think he's going to go. I'm going to take Oregon, number one, just because I got a feeling. You know, (laughs) flashy uniforms. What are you going to do? All right, back after this on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Again, if you can help us out with the survey, I mean, we're eternally grateful. We're grateful that you've gotten this far into the podcast. I mean, again, we go an hour over an hour. It's like you lasted this long. You're the hardcore of the hardcore. Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk Survey. We'd be grateful. We appreciate it. Steven, you have something in here about if he comes, like where the hall would rank among like the great Ohio State halls. We're going to hold off on that. And I think that will be a good topic if he comes. If he comes. If he comes, we can put it in context. This is now the greatest collection out of position, how it compares to some of the other things you have here. Mm -hmm. So let's wrap this up just with what we think is going to happen. And we'll start with you, Stephen, because you have the most information about it. But then Nathan and I will chime in. Do you think he will be an Ohio State Buckeye in the end? So I've been flipping back and forth on that thought process for the last couple of weeks here. I'm going to say, yeah. I think because of the position Ohio State is in to basically just enhance the lead that they already have, even if it's a small lead, is going to be important, I think – there's going to be a lot that goes into this visit. 
whether it's, you know, obviously touring, all the stuff that usually goes with the official visits. I won't be surprised if Larry Johnson gets him on the field and they do a one-on-one workout the way they've been doing with some other guys, Shamar Stewart in the 2022 class and Kristen Miller did those. They also did them publicly so we could watch those. We're not going to watch JT Two Miles workout. I guarantee that's not going to happen, but I won't be surprised if they go through all of this with JT Two Miles, which is the most thorough official visit maybe ever. They give him everything that they can give him. But then also, I think some of the players are going to play a role into this. We saw Quinn Ewers pop up again. Obviously, he was here for his teammate Landon, who was here on an unofficial visit. So that's why he popped up again. I won't be surprised if some other five-star commitments start popping up next week because you want to get as many people around this guy and get him as comfortable as possible around people who might be his teammates. So if Friday rolls around and – Quinn Ewers is like, I got homesick again. That won't shock me. I won't shock me if CJ Hicks is walking around. Obviously, Jack Sawyer and Zach Harrison will be around. I just think this is going to be a very thorough visit where he gets to see everything. While with Alabama, I think he might be in a situation where I've seen it a little bit, so I have an idea of it. Can you show me something that can wow me more than Ohio State just did seven days ago? And I think Ohio State might win out. In that in that situation, because they just threw the whole house, the kitchen sink, shot every bullet in the in the gun in the holster, threw everything at him, and it was just too much for him to say no to. So I will say, and I'll be curious for your view on this, Nathan, as we are not as obviously into the day to day recruiting as Stephen is, who is all all over this stuff. Bama has a lot of great players too. Right. I mean, like, yeah. like Bama's going to have all their five stars out there. He's got a Bryce Young out there, like West Coast guy being like, hey, man, you know, I mean, they're going to do all the same thing. Um, I mean, Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, they're, they're very similar in all this. I mean, the one I mean, Bama has a Hall of Fame coach, which no offense to Ryan Day. He's not yet. He might be later. But like Saban wins these kind of things all the time. This is why Saban Saban, man, like Saban works the magic. And Saban has an aura that Ryan Day can't have yet. He just hasn't been in it long enough. He doesn't have the rings. He can't, he can't have it. Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. Saban has an aura. Urban had that kind of aura, a different aura than, than Saban. I'm not saying it's, he didn't have as many rings, whatever, but Urban did have an aura. I but there is a guy like what to me, Nathan, there is one thing. What is the number one thing that in this recruitment, Ohio state has that Alabama doesn't have Larry Johnson. This is what Larry Johnson does. Tyreek Smith thought he was going to Penn State, and then Larry Johnson got him, and he came here. Chase Young didn't exactly know what he was doing. He came to Friday Night, Friday Night Lights. He got on the field with Larry Johnson. He was like, I'm committing right now. This is what Larry Johnson does, and it goes back to like all the stuff that we talk about. right? With We just did the draft. It's like maybe Larry Johnson should have been the first pick in our draft of coaches and traditions and players. Like It's like that level of like i have to come play for this guy and that honestly all the other stuff facilities history nfl teammates whatever if larry johnson was at alabama i think i'd bet on alabama but he's not at alabama he's here and i just i don't i it just feels like nathan like that larry johnson has been the deciding factor in enough of these right already that I don't know how you would bet against Larry Johnson at this point. No, it's the number one reason why I was going to also pick him to come to Ohio State. I mean, I think it's close. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if he ended up at Alabama. But if you're telling me that by all accounts, Ohio State's in the lead and the kid hasn't yet 
really ever sat down face to face with Larry Johnson and that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm betting on Larry Johnson and it's not like that's not a homer pick. That's just precedent. That's just if you take the names off the schools and go look and see how many times that has happened in a similar circumstance with this guy. It's just what he does. And I, 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 I just I like Ohio State's chances anytime you're going to put him in the room with Larry Johnson. And I was also thinking as we went over the course of this, like we've talked before about like, you know, how much longer is Larry Johnson going to do this? At what point does Ohio State or does he decide that he's he's ready to move on to, to the next stage of his life, whatever. And like this, this kind of sets up as like, not that this is going to be the last thing he does. He could be here for a few more years, but what, what this recruitment could be on top of this class that's already coming together, like sets up as like maybe kind of one of the final big pieces of what's already a, a pretty established legacy, obviously. But like, if you can pull this off and what it could lead to over a two or three year period, I think could be like a, a really like fitting, like kind of crowning achievement for him. I also want to add in the, the, the bonus part of it being his teammates already here. G Scott, and they're really good friends. And so there's going to be a comfortability of I'm not coming out here by myself. And he's also really good friends with Emeka Buka. Those are, I got asked the question last week of uh, is this Washington thing that Ohio State's doing a more of a long-term thing or just a coincidence? It's a coincidence. There's just some five-star guys out in Washington right now that Ohio State really likes. But those are two guys he's very good friends with who love it out here. Even with G. Scott having to change his position, there's a comfortability of knowing you're not out here alone. You're out here with friends who are also from where you're from. That helps. Well, it's it's a coincidence, and it's Ohio State as usual, seeing a current talent yeah. hotbed with the home state school that is not positioned at the moment mm-hmm. to keep the guys home. And USC is not positioned at the moment to be the number one option for everybody in the state of Washington who doesn't want to be a Husky. Oh, I'll just go to USC. That's an mm-hmm. easy flight for my parents down the coast. It's, it's not across the country. It's It's targeted coincidence but and then it does build on it it builds on itself for a period and then it'll all go away mm-hmm. and then they'll they won't be getting a bunch of guys from washington and they'll be getting guys from somewhere else but like it does in the moment it builds on itself because as you make the point steven you get that first guy and then all of a sudden there's other connections but the number one connection here is larry johnson so um i just 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 can't bet against the guy so now i, I do think and I, I think along the way, I've said, like, I don't know, man. Like, if he was going to be a Buckeye, why isn't he a Buckeye already? It would be better for Ohio State if he was already a Buckeye. So there's some part of it's like, oh, it's great to be in the lead, but it's also, you know, months after the two signing days and he's not signed. So being in the lead as he prepares to make his official visit is good. It's not as good as having him sign. So Bama having the last word, I do think is something. But Ohio State having Larry Johnson is maybe something more. I think all of that is true, which is why had he if the situation was Ohio State's in the lead and instead of him already being on Alabama's campus, he'd already been on Ohio State's campus, even if it was two years ago, I probably would pick Bama because then it's like they're in the lead because you've seen him and you haven't seen the other school. In this situation, the school he had, the only school by that point he'll have not seen on this top five is Ohio State, and they're in the lead, so they can enhance it instead of trying to climb from behind. So it, that that very small detail is why I would put Ohio State over Alabama. If it were flipped the other way, or any other detail changes, if Larry Johnson isn't here, obviously, if G. Scott and Emeka Book aren't here, if all of these details aren't exactly how they are right now, I think Alabama wins this. 
So you're listening to this, everyone. If you listen to it when it comes out, uh, we don't, you're allowed to wait. Sometimes there's a backlog. You're on vacation. You know, you got stuff to do. We understand sometimes you don't get it right away. But we were. this is being released on Tuesday, June 15th. Again, Stephen, his official visit at Ohio State is to start on Friday, June 18th. Is that correct? Yep, June 18th and then probably half of June 19th before he gets on a plane to go home. Okay. Before the NCAA forces him to fly back <laughs> yeah, across the country. Yeah. God forbid that they have people capable of dividing by two in accounting. Because if you flew from... Uh, I mean, if you flew from Columbus to Birmingham and you did, uh, how would you pay for it? Nathan, anything to add before we go? I was just going to remind people also, Stephen, do you know, because then he has, the, again, the two more visits the week after that. And then how is and when is the decision made? Like, how is that publicized? Yeah, how it's publicized. I mean, Brandon Huffman's either going to break it or he'll do it like how he's or how he's been doing it on Twitter when he comes out with his top fives. But I would expect to, if I had to mark down when I a, a time period of when I would expect his decision to be made, I think if if, if the commitment date is like June twenty seventh, then. I think he might be headed to Bama because he can enroll for June 29th classes. So that's probably a tea leave, even if it's a small one. If it's after the June 29th date, then it's probably more in favor of Ohio State. But anywhere in that window of June 26th to, you know, Independence Day would make sense for when he would want a decision to be made. If he wants to, whatever school he commits to, he wants to enroll that summer in those sessions, that summer session that starts June 29th or July 6th. Okay, that's an hour on one dude, but he's pretty good. So, and then when this is the thing, when you're the recruit, like when you wait and you're the only guy left, it's like, well, then you, yeah. you get a whole podcast on yourself. So, you get left uh, anywhere. yeah, right. I mean, this is yeah. it. So, um, so we're talking about recruiting in late June. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. We'll be back wait, with wait, the wait. big, wait, what, what do you got? I, I want to tell my story that I didn't get it. Oh, tell. Tell it's, it's a, it's a, what is it? You saw a gynecologist. No, what was no. the thing? <laughs> No, man. Anybody who like turned this on in the middle has no idea what that's about. Um, No. So today, uh, quick story is we're recording this on a Sunday. We went up to all the all the Columbus pools were like at full capacity today. It's like you can't they're they're free pools, but you can't just like show up right now. You have to kind of like get a reservation because Mm -hmm. there you can only let so many people in because there's still some um, guidelines out there. So my wife really wanted to go to pool. So we went up to Grandview because they have a really nice pool there. It's only a few years old. And uh, we were hanging out there and got out of the pool and got back to our blanket. We're laying down. And I had taken like um, my bear's hat and like put it over my face because I didn't want like the sun beating down on my face. And these guys behind us are having this conversation. And one guy's making fun of the other one. He's like, uh, yeah, you slipped and you were up there on the board because they have like these these nice uh, diving boards there. He's like. He says, yeah, I embarrassed myself in front of the local celebrity. And the guy says, what local celebrity? And he said, oh, the guy from Buckeye Talk is here, Nathan Baird. I swear to God, this happened. (laughs) So it's like it's like out of a movie because I like sort of like slowly pick my hat up and look over my wife. And she's like looking over at me. She also had something over her face and she's just cracking up. And uh, so then I I learned that uh, I I was called um, Diet Bill. Which (laughs) Which I assume has something to do with size, which I feel like is is like detrimental towards Bill Landis. But like Bill's just a big guy. Like Bill's just like a like like Bill could have been like a division one offensive lineman. I'm just a guy who doesn't take care of himself. So I but I I hope that, though, that's what they were talking about, not like diet in terms of like 
we're getting less from this guy than which, yeah. which also may be true. Which also probably is true depending on who you ask. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. If you're Diet Bill, am I Black Ari? <laughs> your Chuck name Maurice? did not come up. Doug <laughs> Maurice back with Diet Bill and Black Ari on Buckeye Talk. <laughs> uh, but I I, like, how do you? How would you feel about that title, Stephen? I mean, <laughs> Ari is conflicted a character. about Diet Bill. Yeah, I, I, I think Ari is a bit more of a character than I am, and I think he would agree with that. No, yeah, I, he is 100% more of a character than I am. So, no, Ari is a seven-year-old in a 30-year-old man's body. I am not that. Oh, Landis is like right. Landis is like eight inches taller than you, Nathan. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it's it's a – yeah, so that's part of it. Um, uh, But then – oh, so then I, I'm going to tell the whole story because I feel like – I feel like you'll take it in the right um, in, in the in, in the right spirit, because the, the I, and I don't even know. I didn't talk to these guys because they went to the pool later. I, I, I didn't I didn't talk to them. But um, one of them said something like, uh, yeah, they like they do a good job there. I like, you know, he does. They're doing a good job, whatever, stuff like that. And the other the friend of his sentence was like, says, I just can't stand Doug. And the other one goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So apparently it'd been a topic of conversation with them before that this guy does not care for Doug. I'm an acquired taste, but they do like diet bill. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's definitely a drink. Diet bill. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's going to take me for a while to get over black Ari though. Um, so, uh, well, that's great. So you, you, you had firsthand experience with the power of Buckeye talk. I am. I am apparently a local celebrity. I'm happy for. Uh, you. I didn't know that I was going to be setting Grandview on fire when I yeah. drove across town today. Man, can you imagine like if the columnist dispatch had like a like a celebrity gossip column and it was like spotted at the Grandview pool? <laughs> Buckeye Talk co-host Nathan Baird, the gleaming white torso of Nathan Baird. <laughs> uh, if the if the people who saw Nathan at the pool are listening, I'm I'm not offended that you can't stand me. I, it's not the first time I've heard it. That is a great story. That is a great story. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it like made our day. My wife thought it was she's she she has brought up the local celebrity thing now like five times since that happened. So uh, beautiful. All right. So we'll come back with the big Wednesday pod. I actually have an idea for it that I have not run by Stephen and uh and local celebrity Nathan Baird yet, but I will do that. And we'll see if that's what we decide to do on Wednesday. It's going to be something with conferences, but I have a draft idea because we like the drafts. So come back on Wednesday to find that out more recruiting on Thursday. And then I think uh, looking at another Buckeye retalkables, I think for Friday. So thanks to you guys for being part of it on behalf of diet bill and black Ari. I'm Doug Maurice. And that, was Buckeye Talk. Talk.